0: Thank you so much for having me. It is it is seriously, uh, it's a be here, interesting feeling. Um, but but just like just like Rolly said that it is an honor to share with brothers and sisters in Christ. My church is well taken care of this morning, and it is an honor to come and share the word of God with you guys. Uh, would you guys first pray with me? Our Father in heaven, Father, this time is yours. As we gather around the scriptures, Father, we do so recognizing that they are your word to us, that you are a good father who has not left us to fend for ourselves, to figure out this life of following Jesus for ourselves, uh, and even something as simple and yet so unique and complex as prayer. Uh, Father, you have given this as a gift by grace. Humble, Father, we admit that we need your help and understanding. We need your help in figuring it out, figuring out how it is that we communicate with you, Almighty God. And we thank you that the Scriptures have not left us again to figure it out on our own, but has answered our questions in many ways. So help us this morning. God, draw us to Christ uh, for your glory, by your grace, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, so as a part of, of your guys' series, uh, confident, uh, I'm I've been asked to talk about the topic of prayer and confidence in prayer, and it's actually an ironic thing uh, because I don't consider myself all that confident. In prayer, <laughs> and so so, uh, but but so, whenever you give a con- have a conversation with somebody about spiritual discipline, any any spiritual discipline, whether it's Bible reading or prayer or meditation or any of those types of things, I I don't usually like to talk about myself uh, during the time of preaching, but I think it's fair, especially as a guest, to to kind of share with you a quick thought personally on where I am as far as the topic of prayer goes. Um, prayer has been for me as a follower of. Jesus. Jesus, a wrestling. Uh, It has been been complicated. I love things to be black and white. I love things to, to be clear and have answers that are very clear. Prayer is not one of those things that works like that in the Christian life. And if you've been a Christian who has tried to pray for any amount of years, you know that that is true. Um, But I will share this up front. I pray regularly. I I have a very disciplined prayer life. Uh, I've tried as a follower of Christ to embody what Paul called us to and and pray uh, without ceasing. I've tried to embody what that means and whatever that command means, I've, I've tried to do that. I have a very disciplined prayer life. But all that to say, I don't consider myself as one who is confident in it. Um, I remember my first night at uh, seminary, um, the theology one, and the professor asked our whole class, if you could pick one topic that you could have more clear, like you could ask God straight to his face, one thing that you could ask him that you would have absolute clarity on from here on out, what would it be? And I was in the back of the room, you know, that's where you sit when you're someone that's barely made it there on time and you're exhausted and that's, that's where you're at. And I was in the back of the room and one by one, as he went through the class, it was like election, predestination. How does that work? How is Jesus return going to work? How is, how, and, and it was election, election, election. And then it got to me and I was just like, I mean, that's like not confusing, I guess. I mean, it is confusing. That's not clear, I guess. But however it works... It got me, right? It, it got me. Like, I, I am settled in. I love Jesus. I, if I could get one answer, I want some help with something that I'm struggling with right now, like this minute. And so I, I raised my, or when it came to me, I said, prayer. I want to know how prayer works. I want to know wh- when, where's the line between, like, this is your will, this is my will. How, when, does, when, do we, when do we get the answers to that? And, and so I share that with you, not so you just like tune me out and say, well, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about at all, but, but it's just an honest thing. I don't, I don't consider myself an expert in the topic that I'm preaching to you uh, about this morning. And so uh, I, I hope that you relate to that as well. Um, it, I have not used it as an excuse to not pray. Uh, again, I pray regularly, but at the same time, it is, it is a wrestling and a, and a struggle for me. Um, and then I'll say one more thing by way of introduction. Uh, what I do not... What what prayer should not be is one of two things. Prayer should not be uh, an excuse to do less, or an excuse to feel guilty. It's it's neither of those. Okay, prayer is not an excuse to do less, and prayer is not an excuse to feel guilty. So, so do not take what I say, what I would talk about today, as either side of that destructive sword. Okay, it has nothing to do with either of those things. Um, so the first one, to do little else besides pray. And, and, you know, the term got coined probably a generation back, a prayer warrior, right? And what that typically meant is that is a person that prays all the time, but doesn't do anything the rest of the time. And, and I'm not, I, I am not encouraging that this morning, I think the person who spends time before God in prayer will be one of the most motivated people to share the gospel with those that do not know Jesus yet. If we pray the way that Jesus calls us to pray, we will be encouraged and motivated to go and tell somebody who does not know Jesus about Jesus. I don't think prayer demotivates us to sit still and do nothing. Um, A.W. Tozer said this, Prayer is never an acceptable substitute for obedience. The sovereign Lord accepts no offering. That's a black and white uh, uh, term right there. No offering from his creatures that is not accompanied by obedience. To pray for revival while ignoring or actually flouting the plain precept laid down in the scriptures is to waste a lot of words and get nothing for our trouble. Tozer just bringing bringing us some heat right there, and I appreciate that. I like black and white things, and he says it with a little more authority than I would have. But that's that's the heart of what I'm saying. I do I do not want anything that I say about prayer this morning to leave you to have you leave this place thinking, well, I just need to pray more, and that's it. That 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 is not an acceptable. Um, conclusion to come to this morning, if, if I could be so bold as to say that. But the other side of the sword is to simply be riddled with guilt, where, where nothing is ever enough, where, where you would hear, like, I, I kind of pray a little bit, but I could always pray more, and then to just simply feel guilty and powerless because you're not praying what you think that I'm suggesting you should be praying, the amount that you should be praying. I, now, don't get me wrong, I absolutely hope to challenge and encourage you to pray more regularly. I, I absolutely hope to do that this morning. I hope to challenge you to go deeper in your prayers and to pray for things that you were maybe too timid or scared to pray for. I hope to do that this morning. But to simply walk out of this place feeling only guilt would be to have absolutely missed the point in what I'm saying this morning. Okay, so I I hope to challenge you. I hope that you leave this place encouraged to come and pray before God more than you ever have before. I really, I would really hope for that, but not from a purpose or from a sense of guilt that you are heavy, that you are heavy with guilt leaving this place saying, Oh man, that dude made me feel super bad. Now I need to go and pray more. That's not my intention at all. In fact, the the reason I picked the passage that I picked to walk through today is for that very reason. I would rather Jesus encourage you to pray than me concoct some speech to guilt trip you into praying more, um, because I don't think there's any power in that anyway. And I think that would be foolish of me to try to manipulate you to say more words in your prayer. Okay? So if you guys have a Bible, and I I hope that you do, uh, turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Uh, There is a famous place of of the so-called Lord's Prayer uh, in Matthew 6. Uh, But Luke's rendition is a little bit different with a little bit different purpose. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, you'll know, is from the Sermon on the Mount when when he's doing the Lord's Prayer. But there he is very corrective. Right. And, and he's saying like the Pharisees, don't pray like the Pharisees. They just babble on and on and on and on and they use a whole bunch of words. Don't pray like them. Right. And, and he's saying, so you, when you pray, go into your room all by yourself and go to pray to your father in heaven. Now, now he has kind of a, an, uh, Matthew has a different purpose for placing the Lord's prayer there. Here in Luke chapter 11, he is only speaking to disciples. It, the 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 whole teaching is brought about by a question from the disciples, and so this is for you, believer. That there is not a corrective tone in this. This is simply him teaching you how to pray, and so we should listen up. This should be like, oh man, look at listen. Jesus is teaching me how to pray, and for someone like me who has wrestled and had a hard time with prayer, these words are amazing to me. This is what we must cling to when it comes to answering our questions of how do we pray. And so look at with me if you would at verse 1. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, now whatever whatever comes next, it is spurred on by that fact that what just happened was Jesus was praying. Jesus was was off and praying either in the hearing of his disciples or at the very least in the sight of his disciples. And that fact brings about a request. Brings about a request from his disciples. Keeps going. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So, So Jesus finishes praying He's off alone and praying and whether they can hear him or simply they just know that that's what he was doing, he comes back when he's done and they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. How many of you, and rhetorical question, but how many of you have asked that question? God, teach me to pray better. Teach me to pray deeper. Teach me to pray more. How can I get better at this? But here's the thing. This should bring us to a question. We should ask a question in their request, Lord, teach us to pray. You should at least think to yourself, wait, they don't know how to pray, right? These are are Jewish men. They have been praying since they could understand talking. They have been around prayer. They have gone to synagogue. They have gone to temple. They know how to pray. And yet when Jesus is finished praying, they ask him the question. The question, or to make the request of him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so right away, we should at least be like, what, what are they asking? The, the, we should at least be asking the question, what are they really asking? What are they really requesting? And because and it, it's deeper than just how do you do what you're doing? Like that, that weird thing where you go off and you say words, what are you doing? That's not what they're asking. They know how to pray. They know how to pray to God. They know how to pray the Psalms. They know how to pray the scriptures. They absolutely do. So, what are they actually asking Jesus? The, what, the answer to that question is this Lord, teach us to pray like you. Teach us to pray like you pray. See, they saw something in Jesus' prayers that, are diff- that was different than the way they prayed. Was, was deeper, was more, was, was something other than how they normally prayed. And so think to yourself, I, I really, I mean, get those brains working a little bit. What do you think they saw in Jesus' praying that made them want to pray like him? What, what, what do you think it was? What do you think that they saw when Jesus prayed that was different than the way they prayed? We're going to kind of get our answer in the way that Jesus teaches them to pray. But, but think about it. If, if, if their question is not simply, teach us to say the words that you say, right? If it's more than that, which I think it is, what do you think they saw in his prayers that was different than their own? And, and I'm going to answer it up front, but we're going to see that I'm, I'm telling the truth. His, his, the answer would be, as is, is you see, they saw an intimacy with God in his prayers that they had never seen before. They, they saw an intimacy with God the Father, that they had never even felt bold enough, up to that point in their life to say. They, they wouldn't have dared said the words, that they heard Jesus praying regularly. I mean, let alone the way, right? Remember, he, t- he taught the Pharisees and they, their, their, their reaction was, man, we've never heard a guy teach like this before with that kind of authority. Similar reaction was, we've never heard a guy pray like that before with such intimacy for the God of the universe. And so Jesus responds. Here's his response to his disciples. and And don't... Oh, man, don't, don't just overlook that fact. One is the fact that they could ask Jesus, but, but, man, don't miss the fact that Jesus answers, okay? For someone, again, like me, and maybe you're a lot of you guys are not in your head, so you're very similar to me, that struggle in prayer. Take hope, take joy in the fact that your Lord answers the question. He gives you the answer of, hey, Jesus, teach me to pray. Okay, I will, And he gives you that answer of how to pray. And so listen to what he says. When you pray, which again is an assumption that disciples of Jesus Christ pray. When you pray, say, Father, Father, hallowed be your name. And again, guys, that's not like, that's not praising God. That's not like glory to your name. That's a request. That's that's asking God, make your name as holy as it is. Set your name apart as holy. Give it all the glory that it is owed. And so it's a request. Another one, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily, daily, daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not ...into temptation. <coughs> and so Jesus answers the question... ...but what is, what is he actually saying? Okay? Like, yes. Maybe you ask me the point-blank question. Cody, do you think we should pray those exact words? Yeah! Sometimes I really do think you should. And, and you should really take those words... And, ...and take what they actually mean... ...and pray those words... ...and mean those words. They are powerful words... They are, they are big, powerful requests of God. So yes, I think you should sometimes. But absolutely, it's, it's well accepted that this, Jesus offers us a pattern of prayer. Of, 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 how, of priorities for prayer. And things that should be included in our prayers. And so, therefore, if, we, if we, the way that we pray is simply asking and requesting always for things and petitioning things and situations, we come back to this passage and say, maybe that's not the right way to pray. Maybe that's not the way that actually I'm called to pray. It's to just ask for help on things. Because that's almost nowhere in here. Does that, does that make sense? So we should use this as ...as almost a rubric for men. Because Jesus answered the question, how do I pray here? Here is your answer to how you pray. And so what, to sum it up in one phrase, what is Jesus' response? Is pray like you know God. Pray like you know God. This pattern for prayer is less about words that you use... ...and words that you say, and much, much more about who... The person that you are praying to. Did you, did you catch that? This prayer is about God. It, it is all focused, it is God centered prayer, not person centered prayer. And it is consistently a recognition of who God is. J.I. Packer said it this way Jesus' pattern prayer, which is both crutch. ...and road, as well as walking lesson for the spiritually lame like ourselves... ...tells us to start with God. For God matters infinitely more than we do. And guys, I, th- I, I would, if I can, challenge you to take that thought... ...just that thought alone and apply it to your own prayer life. How much are my prayers about God... Or how much are my prayers about asking for things and bringing my situations before God? And there, there is call for that. Don't, don't, don't hear me wrongly, okay? There, there is room for that. First Peter says that, that you, you bring your stuff to God because he cares for you. Absolutely you do. But when Jesus answered the question, it was all about God. And I would really encourage you, apply that thought to your own prayer life. But what does Jesus actually say? So look at the stuff that he actually says about God. First, he calls him Father. He teaches his disciples to call God of the universe Father. Tim Keller, who wrote a very helpful book on prayer, calls this the very basis for prayer. That we are only allowed to speak to God... On this basis, now, as, as followers of Jesus, it's Father that we come to him. We have been adopted, and at no small price, friends, right? We were bought and purchased and adopted by the blood of our big brother, Jesus. And by his costly sacrifice on the cross, we are now allowed to be sons and daughters included in the family of God that approach God. And, and, and listen, he is all the other things. He is master. He is Lord. He is always and forever God. And yet Jesus begins with father. Approach him like you would a dad. And, and for, for many of us, uh, that, that comes at us two different ways. One side is, well, I have a father and he's not all that cool. Or I, I barely even know him. Or he was a really bad father. And so for us, and, I, and I'm certainly in that camp, uh, the, the, we hear this and we say, oh, well, thank God. That's refreshing that I can come to a father that is perfect, who will not let me down, who will not abandon me, who won't leave me, but who is there in the most perfect way possible. And so that, for many of you, that's probably your story as well. But then there's the other side of you had an awesome father. Maybe a father that even pointed you and directed you towards Christ. Praise God. But you know he wasn't perfect. Right? And yet, so, so you hear this message that there is a perfect father available. Even better than yours. To even think to yourself, man, there's one that's better than mine. There's, a more per, there's perfection in father. And it's God of the universe. Go to your father in that way. That's what what Jesus' invitation is. Go to your father. And this is completely new and would have been completely new for Jewish men in the first century. So so the title father in the Old Testament was used 15 times. Never, Never in the context of prayer. It was used 15 times. Okay, in that huge first third of your Bible, 15. It is used over 165 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John alone. That This is a completely reshifting. We get to go to God as father because of Jesus. That's the message there. That we get to go to him now because of Jesus. But let's keep going. What does he say? Hallowed be your name. That, that means that God is the rightful owner of all glory that means we this is a daily prayer a daily time of recognizing it's not mine glory is not mine The the accolades the attention it's not mine God make your name holy make your name set apart not me not mine not my church not my people not my family you you get all the glory you have all of it it belongs to you And then let your kingdom come. This is a submission to the fact that God's rule and God's reign is first, is better. He is the rightful king of the kingdom that will come. And this is our daily celebration that our king is on the way. And that his ways and his rule is better than anything we could see right now. But then he prays, give us each day our daily bread. That's a weird thing for 21st century Americans to pray it really is right I mean in in the context like I I have really good friends that live in Haiti that, that they pray that prayer I've thought this many times they pray that prayer and they mean that prayer they mean food let me have food today God but for us it's not that This would most likely, uh, more likely be a recognition that the food we do have, the clothes we do have, the house we do have. It wasn't us that acquired it. It was God's provision. It was God's goodness and grace. Not because I deserved it. Well, I deserve to be born in a place that has a bunch of stuff. I could have been born anywhere else. I could have been located anywhere else in the world and had far less. But God said, here, I'm gonna gonna put you here and I'm gonna make you responsible for owning and having all of this stuff. And then this is a recognition that it was him alone that provided it. And then he goes on and this is where it gets heavy, right? Forgive us our sins. Jesus is forgiver or God is forgiver. The one, this this is to recognize two things. One, it is him that we have sinned against. My, my sin, my wrong. Right? So when I, when I get angry and I, and I say things that I should not say, and I know I should not say, but I do, it's not just that I said something wrong, it's that I have actually rebelled and sinned against the God of the universe. I have, I have broken his law. I have sinned to his face. When, when I sin, it is him that I have wronged. And this is a daily recognition of that fact that I have done my father in heaven wrong. But this is also to ask and acknowledge that he is alone the one that forgives. He alone is the one that can make me good again or whole again or complete again. He is the one that can make me new. That means that no amount of effort on my part, no amount of work, no amount of goodness that I can acquire of myself is ever gonna save me is ever going to leave me forgiven. If it is a holy God that I have sinned against, I need a holy God to make me new. And that's what this is recognizing. Every day you pray this, that I can't be good apart from your grace towards me, so make me new. So make me new. Every day, a prayer that says, forgive me of my sins. But then also, he is at the end, lead us not into Temptation, Lead us not into temptation. He is the keeper. If, if, if what he requires in regards to holiness, he will be the one that provides the grace to accomplish it. We pray, we pray to him to say, lead me not into temptation. You have asked much of me, God. Therefore, I need your grace in order to accomplish it. So lead me not into the places where I'll screw it up. Leave me not in the places where I'd fail you or rebel all over again. You keep me by your grace. You called me, so you keep me by your grace. But then he goes into two quick parables, two quick stories. And they're interesting because he's proving something very interesting about God. He uses some very intimate words for God. The first one is he says he's the better friend. He is the better friend. And and you got to understand, we use the f- the word friend very flippantly in in our day and age. Uh, in in scripture, it is not used in that way. It it is a very very intimate word. Um, have you ever been reading in First Samuel and you see like the relationship between David and Jonathan? Uh, I, I challenge you go back and read through it. There's times and the things they say about each other make a twenty first century person a little uncomfortable, <laughs> and you're just like. That, that's interesting that they would say that of each other. But that, that's the idea behind biblical friendship. It is a deep and intimate thing. So this is no simple thing Jesus is saying, that God, he compares God to a friend. So listen to what he said. And he said to them, which of you has a friend will, uh, who has a friend? will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. So this friend has a choice. He's a bad host or a bad neighbor. He's either, he's either going to not provide, be a hospitable entertainer for this person that came, which in the first century is a huge deal of hospitality, or he's going to go wake his buddy up at midnight. He chooses that one, and he's going to go wake up his buddy. He says, verse 7, And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. And man... If you woke my kids up in the middle of the night, like you ain't getting nothing from me. I, I will. In fact, I might get up, but it'll be with like a baseball bat. It will not be to give you what you're asking for. And that, that's the picture here. And they're in like a one room, uh, one room house. They're all sleeping together on one mat. So there's no way he's getting up to get the bread without waking his family up. And that's, what's, that's the picture here. Verse 8. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend. So the friendship is not the motivator here, okay? It's the other friends when he says, yet because of his impudence. That is is like shameless persistence. He's just banging on the door and saying, dude, I need bread. Dude, I need bread. Give me the bread. And so he says, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And, and let's be honest here. That, that's an invitation, right? What he's saying is God is a better, better friend than that friend who will get up just because you annoyed him enough to get up. But th- let's be honest. That, there's, a, there's a tension there, Right? Because he's saying, ask and it will get, be given to you. Seek and it will be given to you. Knock and it will be open. And, and, and so, like, and this is the part, I think, where the mystery is. Like, where, well, okay, you just told me that. How can I not take that as just ask for whatever I want then? Right? And get whatever I want. But it's important, you guys, to remind ourselves of who it is we're praying to. Remind ourselves of how Jesus asked us to pray. Praying to him acknowledges, praying to him involves our necessary submission to his will. We are praying to him because we are asking, seeking, and knocking to him because he is God. We are not, right? We're not asking a buddy, we're asking the God of the universe. And so, therefore, to ask him instead of simply doing it all by ourselves is to acknowledge that he might be more equipped for the task, right? That he might be better at figuring out what it is that we need. So when we ask, we can expect to receive, but maybe not in the way that we're asking for it. We should. Tim Keller said this in regards to this, this kind of tension. God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows, and that helps me, I hope I hope that helps you. It's because I know me, dude. I, I I'm broken in a lot of ways. I'm screwed up in a lot of ways, and I know I ask for stupid things. I know I have prayed wrongly for things for people. I know I have, and so I am grateful that God is sovereign. So when I get to come to Him to pray in prayer. I am doing so acknowledging that he is better, that he is wiser than I am. He, he is God, I am not. And if we ever say to ourselves, pray, you know, I've been praying for this one thing, but I just didn't get it. But if we're praying as Jesus has told us, this thought should be immediately followed by the thought, I know God is good and I know he loves me as a child. So, so we do, right? Yeah, I mean, anybody in here is probably thinking of something they've prayed for. Uh, I, whenever I come to passages like this, I've been praying for a little boy who has a tumor on the back of his head, and I've been praying for him for almost 10 years. And, and he, he, he's had that tumor, and it's affected him a lot of different ways just because it's on his brain. And they can't remove it. They've just kind of watched different things happen to him as it's been there. been praying for it for a better part of 10 years. And, and sometimes, you know, he gets progress, and sometimes it, it gets really, really bad. And I, I don't know what's going to come of it. I, I mean, we pray every day for him, and, and I don't know. And so I sit here and think, God, you love, his name's Junior, God, you love Junior more than I do. And, and you understand what's happening more than I do. I, I submit to the fact that you are wiser, you are better, you love more than I do. And so, God, I will. I'll submit again. But these times are very good for us to wrestle through. I I, I want you to. I want you to sit in that tension. I don't want to excuse it. I don't want to, like, give you some padded black and white answer of, like, here's what it means to ask and not get what you're asking for, even though it says you do. Like, I, I want you to sit in that tension And do it because it's good for us. Because what it teaches us is that that asking and receiving is actually not the primary purpose of prayer. Did you catch that? that? To ask for things and get things is not the primary purpose of prayer. It's to be with your Father. It's to be with Him. And tell Him the things that matter most to you. Rather, growing and deepening our faith and our confidence and our intimacy with our Father in heaven. That's the purpose. Which is the next imagery he chooses. He is the better father. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, which tells you something about yourself, right... Uh, If then you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And in Matthew's version, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, um, it doesn't say Holy Spirit. It says good things. It says good gifts. Maybe you like that a little bit more, right? Like you're just like, well, what am I going to do with the Holy Spirit? It'd be cool if you gave me the good gifts, right? Right? Well, it's clear here that Luke stays true to his intimacy emphasis with the disciples. So so Jesus here assures his friends, not only that their Father in heaven will give them good gifts, but that he would actually fill them with his very presence. That that if you would ask, not not only would you get the stuff that you're hoping for, but that God would say, no, 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 not, not only that, I'll give you the best, I'll give you me in you. So not only, not only will you want stuff, but you'll want to want stuff that I want to give you by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's a powerful thing, guys. And that's a promise, is that you would take, God would take your old heart and give you a new heart with his law written on it, and that you would have that heart that knows what he wants. And you would ask, and he would delight to give you that he would allow such intimate access to his presence and that he would fill us with it. But now we come to the last question that I want to ask this morning. So all of this, this this type of prayer life, and it sounds really good, right? I, I think it sounds really good. It's very helpful to me. Kind of, it's all hinges on the fact that we know God, that we actually know who he is and we 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 can say father about him and know that he is that or call him provider and know that he is that call him forgiver and actually know that he is that to us it all hinges on the fact that we know him intimately so the number one question has to be well how how can we know god right how can i know god as father How can I know God as Savior, as Forgiver, as Provider? How can I know God in this way? Right? To where He's not just some distant deity that I ask for stuff when I'm scared or when I'm hurting or when I'm stressed out, right? That He's not just some guy way out there, but He's Father. How do I know Him like that? And that's the million dollar question, friends. Do you know that? there, There is not a religion that exists today that doesn't pray. We pray. We're praying people. And every religion prays for the purpose of answering this question, of getting to know the answer to this question. Who is God? How can I know him? How can I relate to him? The Bible, the Bible's exclusive and unmistakable answer is that we must, must, must come to Jesus. Jesus says the most exclusive claim he could say is that if you want to come to God, you must come through me. That there is no other way to the Father. He is the way, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus says in John chapter eight, verse 19, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. That's, that, that is the way for us to know God. How can you pray prayers like this? is by coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. By believing in faith that what Jesus did at the cross and in his resurrection is now true of you. That all the righteousness that he earned at the cross and the resurrection is now given to you because you have placed your faith in him. That's how. And so I want to close with this one last verse. Or this one passage. Very famous passage in Matthew 11. And and I really think that... uh, (coughs) I really think this passage is a good one to end on when you're doing a spiritual discipline because I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel heavy. I want you to feel motivated. So listen to what Jesus says here. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. So this is his prayer in the presence of a lot of people. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Little children in Matthew is not kids. It's, it's us, the people that would actually come to believe in him. Like me, you know. I'm not the wise. I'm not, I'm not the understanding. I'm the little kid. Thank you that you have shared this with them, Father. Verse 26. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will... Here he goes. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so if you know Jesus this morning, it's because Jesus has revealed himself to you by grace. And not only that, he's taught you to speak with his Father in an intimate way. But he keeps going. And this is one of my favorite invitations. So if you're feeling this morning, if, if you're tempted at all to feel like, ah man, he just yelled about prayer for a while and now I'm just like feeling like I'm such a loser. I'm such, I'm not doing enough. I just feel so heavy. Listen to Jesus. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Friends. Relationship with Jesus is not burdensome. It is is not guilt ridden. It is not not just sick with sin or or sick with guilt or just burdened and scared of everything that's going to happen next. Jesus says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn to pray from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls and that's my invitation to you jesus revealed himself to us that we would have rest that we would have peace that we would be invited into this intimate real relationship with his father and it is it is in that heart that i encourage you go in go into your room and shut the door or you know, sit in the middle of your living room with a bunch of screaming kids i don 't however you got to pray. I tell my wife has to pray <laughs> most days. And, but, but however you need to, go, go away. But when you come to God, know that you go to him as a father. And Jesus invited you to come to him, not with some new burden or some new thing to bear that is really hard and drives you with guilt and all of that. But go to him and find rest and just, and just, just be there. Um, I'll end with this story. My, uh, a friend of mine, when I was in high school, he told a story. Uh, he adopted a, a little boy and, and it was, he, little boy had a lot of issues, uh, and, and it was really, really hard for him. And uh, my friend had, had shared with me a lot about his prayer life and how he kind of struggled. He didn't know what to pray for when it came to his new son. Um, he just never slept or anything like that. But they discovered something eventually. I think he is around six to eight months. They discovered something that if my friend held him he would sleep <laughs> and he would finally like sleep. So he would just sleep in the chair and just hold him and rock him. And, and, he, and he shared with us that, that that became a picture to him as, in prayer. Uh, my friend would always admit that he wasn't super articulate, even though I disagree with that. And he, but he would but just say, I don't ever know the words when I go into pray, but that picture of him holding his son and rocking him to sleep changed everything for him in his prayer life. Because he said, I didn't know the word, he, I, I didn't have anything. He didn't want me to say anything. He didn't need to say anything. I was just sitting there and holding him. And it was love. And it was the most intimate picture he could have. And that's the type of relationship we're invited into. Child, go into your father and sit on his lap. And, and, and if, you, if you have words to say, awesome. Say them. Say them like Jesus taught us to say them. Or if you don't, then don't, and just sit there, and, and it, know that you are invited into that type of relationship with Him. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, God, it's weird talking about prayer and then praying, um, but Father, I thank you. I guess that 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 I know you in the way that that I that I'm speaking about you. And I thank you that that is grace from your son in revealing him to me. And I know that there are people in here, Father, who who know you like that. And I thank you for that. But I pray that we would leave this place encouraged, even challenged to pray more. And to pray more deeply. And to pray more intimately. And, And God, that we might hear your answer of how to pray and take it and accept it and and pray and pray to our father in heaven who loves us and gave his son for us god but all for your glory and for your sake it's in jesus name i pray amen